Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet... Here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. A quarter century ago, I was given six months to live with a diagnosis of terminal brain cancer. For more than 15 years, I've been ranting and raving on the air about stupid cancer and now stupid healthcare. And I'm just getting warmed up. So let's all go make healthcare suck less together because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of Patience. Man, we got a good show for you today because we just brought on another incredible podcaster and their incredible show to the Offscript Health Podcast Network. Her name is Claire O'Brien. She's a certified adult nurse practitioner and the host and founder and creator of the Dabble Co. Podcast. That's Dabble like you're going to dabble in something, CO for Claire O'Brien, the Dabble Co. podcast. So she stopped by the studio live in person, got to meet her live in person. How novel these days. And we just had a fabulous, organic, introductory BFF conversation about all the things, the least of which being what it's like to live and breathe within the nurse practitioner profession, especially in this age of burnout, to give so much of yourself to help other people along the way, and yet have this incredible gumption out of the gate to question authority, to be really funny, to have great conversations, and to put together over 65 episodes and growing on this incredible show you just have to subscribe to. You know, it's hard to pick your favorite child, but I really like the part of the show where we channel George Carlin and how today's made-up words matter and don't matter at the same time. Words like homemade, home style, clean, all natural, organic. Anyway, you get the gist. So please enjoy my conversation with Claire O'Brien and subscribe to the Dabble Co. podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hello, Claire. Hey, Matt. How are you? Awesome. In real life, here we are. I know, right? Welcome to Offscript Health Studios. Thank you for having me, Offscript Health. In all of our soundproofing and ambulances outside. That's right. Well, as soundproof as we can be. The studio is its own character with the city. I would like this studio set up in my bedroom. I The silence is golden. I would it, like this. It doesn't work against children. I should just let oh. you know that in advance. Okay. That will not work for me. Though. Wait, how old are yours? Six and four. Okay, I got two 12-year-olds, so we're... We're in different segments of parental fuckery. How's that? Yeah, it never ends. It's just different categories. <laughs> it just, I, I remember my dad's like, oh, it gets better. No, it just gets different. It's different. Yeah, <laughs> it just exactly. gets different. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Except then when you get a newborn again, it like, you're like, oh, 
this actually isn't hard. They don't do anything. You just keep them alive. Like, that's it. Do you feel like, I don't know if you have friends with three kids. I have some friends with three kids. And they, mm. the third kid's like, fine, do it yourself. Literally. And then the fourth kid's like, where even is it? Yeah. You know, I don't even know. No one knows. So I want to start with the self-evident, which is that you are a nurse practitioner. I am. So for the cheap seats in the back, explain the difference between, and I'm sure you've been asked this question a thousand times, a nurse and a nurse practitioner. I don't know that I've been asked this question formally. So so a nurse is a, or an RN is a bachelor level degree for caring directly for patients. So nurses typically are hospital based. They can be clinic based. And then... A nurse practitioner has an additional master's or doctoral level degree, and we have different privileges. So as a nurse practitioner, I can see patients independently. I can make diagnoses and write prescriptions and things like that. So things that that nurses cannot do, but we both function together on the healthcare team. So So no major surgery. I could assist in surgery. I, we can do procedures. I mean, I can, yeah, I'm, yeah I mean, my little tiny, tiny surgeries, maybe. It just depends on what you're, I mean, surgery is kind of a vague, broad word. Like, it depends on what you're saying. I mean, like brain surgery? Probably not. You could assist in that. Yeah. That'd be awesome, though. Yeah. You could be a first assist in the OR. I just started watching Severance. Oh, yeah. And there's like some brain stuff going on in there it's and the surgery. A, a little show. weird. You know, do you know I've had brain surgery? So have I. Really? Yes. Yeah, you, yours was for cancer, though. Yeah. Right. Mine was not. What do I win? What do I win? You win. You definitely win. Whose was worse? <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait. Well, why did they drill into your head? So I have a very weird and rare congenital skull base defect, where the bone of my skull, the base of my skull, is really thin, and so the brain was sitting right on it, and then it bursts open, busts open, and brain actually herniates into your inner ear. And you have like all these crazy, crazy symptoms. It's really hard to explain the symptoms, to be honest. How does that get figured out? So most patients, I had what's called superior canal dehiscence. I actually still have it on the other side as well. It's just not nearly as bad as the one I had corrected. So most patients, it takes 10 years to find a diagnosis for them because they go through neurologists, ENTs, psychiatrists, all these folks before hopefully you get to the right sub, sub, sub specialist, which is called a neurotologist and a skull-based surgeon that diagnoses you correctly. And the only reason I was diagnosed within four or five years versus 10 is because I was actually literally working alongside a neurotologist and I sneezed one day and I grabbed onto the desk to like steady myself because I would get dizzy with sneezing. And that was one, that's one of the random things. And he goes, oh, maybe you have a dehiscence. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, that's exactly what I have. Dehiscence just means something has opened and something is coming out of it that shouldn't come, come that's out. That's disgusting. It is. Wait, it does is. it bother you that medical jargon is like superior? That shouldn't be the word they use. This is a terrifying thing. What else would you call it? I mean, they called my oh. brain tumor elegant. I, I don't get that. Who called it elegant? The surgeon. You have a very elegant brain tumor. What did he mean by that? Like, I think he, he meant she. that it was like, maybe it looked good. Huh. Cover bottle tumor? I have no idea. Well, it could have been worse, yeah. I guess. Burbage. Aesthetically pleasing? Maybe it was a nice shape. I don't know. Perfect sphere. Yeah, we called it, my, I mean, I call it my brain hole. That's easier <laughs> to explain. I just snorted on the radio. <laughs> I have a brain hole. It's fine. That's awesome. And yet terrifying. Yeah. How is it treated? Does it still like ooze out sometimes? So you have to look at clamps? So I have a, so what they do is they drill down the bone. So well, they it's a craniotomy. So you make a cut, drill down the bone, find the hole, plug it up with the bone that you drilled with, and then put a metal plate on top of it. So I'm like a little Cousin Eddie situation. Like I have a metal plate. Wow. Um, cousin Eddie. Yeah. 
Nice vacation reference. Right? You're welcome. So, yeah, got a metal plate. It's fine. So no way in Edna on the roof of the station wagon, though? No, okay. not yet. <laughs> no, that's other things. It's not an episode of my show without some 80s movie reference. <laughs> See, Clark I, W. I Griswold. You. Wait, did you have a station wagon growing up, too? Uh, a Volvo station wagon. Yes, we did. Okay, those are the safe ones. You need like the the crazy thing he drove around the I country. I don't know. With. You're facing backward. The third row is. Oh, like you had facing... a backward facing seat. Yeah, it counts. That's not safe. Totally counts. Like, with no like... seatbelt. Uh, we did have seatbelts. All right, I, I win so, this one though. But yeah. then our station wagon was, was from 1978. Okay. So yeah, that was before I was born. So you win. Facing seats. We missed those days. Yeah. Well, do we? <laughs> I don't know. We're still here. Yeah, we made it. So, so you're here for many reasons. You're in New York yeah. uh, doing a bit of a couture tour. Yeah. Meeting some amazing people for your business. We'll get to that. Yeah. But you're also here because you're a podcaster. I am. You have your own show. We can therapize about that in a moment. But your show has just been brought on to the Oscar Health Podcast Network. You've joined the family. I have. Thank you. So welcome to the club. That you may have never wanted to join, or maybe you did. But it's here great. we are. Here we are. Yeah. Regardless. I was listening to a bunch of your shows, obviously, for my homework and diligence, and because you're part of the family. Thank you. I love how you just make fun of obvious shit from your particular crow's nest. You're like debunking the fuckery. Yeah, I'm trying. There's a lot of Carlin-esque, like George Carlin-esque assays in okay. your conversations, the least of which would be... You kind of make fun of the word clean, yeah, all natural. Yes. He did a whole bit about the word homemade right. or home style. Yep. It's one of the best bits ever. He just, he, you know, he's the, the wordsmith of our, of our lifetime. There's a new documentary about him, too, as well, I think, on HBO Max. But have you always had this sort of congenital snark about you? Yeah, I sure have. My dad's pretty funny and a little sarcastic. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I've... Sarcasm. I mean, it's not my favorite attribute about myself because it doesn't always serve you, but in certain situations it does. I think um, it serves me on the podcast, certainly. And then, you know, it serves me, you know, in friendships. I can be the one to say, like, make I'm a good decision maker and I always have an opinion about pretty much everything. So, yeah, there's always a little a slight level of snarkery about so me. So I would christen you Jew-ish. Thank you. Because you, you need to have this right level of... L'chaim. L'chaim. We call it chutzpah, right? Yeah. You got the, the chutzpah. Baruch Hey. How do you know that? Hey, listen. Some of my besties growing up were uh, Jewish, and so In I, South Carolina? And I grew up in Georgia, okay. so even worse. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, potato, potato. South of Jersey is yeah. all whatever. Inbred potato, potato, and went to a, a private school that was one of the only non-Christian private schools, and so all the Jewish kids that wanted to go to private school, were that's where they were. And so some of my best friends were were, Jew, were are Jewish and went to a lots of bar and bots. Well, they might still be Jewish. Yeah, I think we're assuming. We'll see. Yeah, no, but we so tons of bar and bots. Yeah, so I learned a lot. That's little. phenomenal. <laughs> Good for you. I, I'm shocked and surprised and thrilled. I'm a woman of the people. Definitely, hands down. So I, there was, I think, one of John Oliver's very first God, pieces on last, like years ago when last week tonight started. Uh-huh was how the organic seal, mm-hmm. you, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Correct. Right. So you're pulling back the curtain on this particular, among many things. Like, right. Like, so what have you learned and who are you talking to about 
revealing these things to the average American that may not know them. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what I've learned. So it's so interesting. I've learned that it's actually somewhere in the middle. Like most the things in middle, life, the mushy middle. Which you said at our summit last yes. week. Yes. We're talking about something else, which we may or may not mention today. But so there are some really hardcore, you know, organic, let's just pick or, the word organic as what we're, or clean, whatever. Right. So people that are live organically, everything's clean. And that word really means something to them. And then there's another kind of other half to that, that where that word is essentially meaningless. And really what I've learned is I do think that it's somewhere in the middle. So Let's take organic produce, for example, and the term the dirty dozen. So there's a whole camp that the dirty dozen and the EWG, and that's really important. They Wait, live acronyms. and die by that. Yes. Environmental Working Group. Right. EWG. EWG. Correct. And and which is funded by the people that they talk about. Whatever. Anyway, conflict of interest <laughs> is there. So, But people live and die by the EWG. And is it approved by them? And then there's a whole other group that's like the EWG is completely worthless. This word means nothing. And I think it's somewhere in the middle. So like organic produce, again, for example, the main reason you want to buy it is, they say, because you don't want to use glyphosate, which is Roundup. Well, you can't say that that's, I think, in my personal medical opinion, I, I actually talked to a doctor when I was kind of talking about this, who really opened my eyes this was several years ago. And he said, hey, listen, if you want to avoid glyphosate, which is a known human carcinogen at this point, it's been named that by the American Cancer Society, then organic is the only way to do that. And so do I think, I just think it's more nuanced too. Like, do I think you should live and die by that? No. Do I think you should eat the vegetable if you are in front of the vegetable, whether it's organic or not? Yes. Right. Well, what's the least worst? A vegetable? Right. What's the lesser of two evils? Fried chicken or a vegetable with crap in it? Right. I mean, Vegetable. Least worth nutrition. Yeah, exactly. And 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 so we're now, you know, moralizing food and putting this moral value on clean and not clean and organic and not organic. And you've got people who are really making every decision about what they eat, what they wear, you know, make up all of this based on these terms that may or may not actually really be important. And I, so, yeah, it, that's what I've learned is that I don't really take either side of these very dogmatic conversations as gospel anymore. I've learned that it, it everything is nuanced and we don't right. want to have nuance. It's because it's more difficult to have a nuanced conversation, right? <laughs> that, but that's in, what I like in about- In this country? Right, what? That's what I like about podcasting, though. Honestly, because I, I started an, an Instagram and you're fighting in the comments and that you're sending these posts and you're sharing and blah, blah, and it's awful. And it's like you're going nowhere. You're convincing no one of anything in a com- in an Instagram comment, Facebook, even worse, like toilet of the Internet. And Twitter <laughs> is like maybe the sewer line. I don't know. But in a podcast, I do believe that you can have a nuanced conversation with somebody and actually get to the point of where even though I'm disagreeing with you or you're disagreeing with me, we're doing it in an intelligent way. We're actually hopefully helping people learn something. Well, the beauty of radio mm-hmm. is that it's regular, normal media. It's not social media, unless you make it social media, Yeah, where people that listen that don't like what they're hearing have no outlet to complain about it. Right. And I don't really care if you don't like it. Like, Don't listen. Let, yeah. You don't like it, don't watch. Yeah. Well, except for the one time somebody left me a really a one-star review because of a sponsor, and I was like, 
well, that's not really fair. Like that. that no, that's like when you rate your doctor poorly because the secretary had a bad day. Right. Or a restaurant because you couldn't get a reservation there. Right. That's not the, that's that's not not the restaurant's fault. fault. No, certainly <laughs> not. I'm yeah. Sorry. I mean, it goes back to like this, uh, like the Seinfeld episode with the non-fat and the, <laughs> they found that there's fat in it. How the hell do you know what to trust? And I've been working in patient advocacy in oncology for so many years, and we did a lot of work with TOSCA reform. Mm -hmm. We work with a group called Breast Cancer Action, another group called Safer Chemicals Healthy Families, and a company that is now fairly well known as Beauty Counter. Yeah. On this idea that if you've been sick, you have cancer, the last thing you want is to put things in your body that have the thing you're trying to get rid of. Right. But here's my problem with beauty counter specifically. Don't come at me, beauty counter huns. So I beauty counter and, and many companies like it. They're yes, what they're doing and what they're saying, I do believe is valid. I absolutely do believe it. Where I think you take the turn into the bad place is that you've got people selling it that don't actually know what they're talking about. And they're using that fear They're, I believe preying on women's fears as a selling point. And so are these things important? Yes, probably. However, is it more important to talk about the main five risk factors of cancer, which are all lifestyle related versus the makeup that you're putting on? Yes, I fully believe that. And so we're selling beauty counter while we're drinking a glass of wine every night. Which is the known carcinogen? Hint. It's wine. I'm sorry. I I, I need a break. (laughs) We'll be right back after this. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, we're back. And wine? Well, alcohol. Yes. Okay, well. All alcohol. Is wine. Specifically? That bad for you? Or is the whole resveratrol 
political action committee. Reserve control, yes. It, <laughs> come after, come after no, us. No, you have to drink gallons and gallons of wine, uh, a red wine specifically, in order to gain the amount of reserve control that would actually give you the antioxidant effect that they're touting. Mm-hmm. The wine industry obviously loves that. But, you know, risk benefit, right? Everything's a risk benefit ratio in medicine. And so is the risk of the gallons of wine worth the benefits of the antioxidants? No, because the more we, we know that the more we drink, the more likely we are, we are to have multiple types of cancer. So it's related to breast cancer, all head and neck cancers, colon cancer, stomach cancer. I don't know, besides skin cancer, I was thinking about this the other day because I actually was talking about it. I, I can't think of a cancer that's not higher at you're at a higher risk the more you drink and and it's actually not that much so we think particularly for women you're considered a heavy drinker if you drink more than seven drinks a week which is a, one drink a day so if you're drinking more than one drink a day you're in the heavy drinking category very quickly which i was in during covid i mean you know right we want to see like the boat wake yeah <laughs> covid day drinkers yeah it's gonna be bad it's, it's only gonna be bad it's gonna be really bad but yeah so alcohol is is much worse than makeup in my opinion so how does a nurse practitioner figure out audio and starting this whole thing from scratch oh my gosh thank god i have a friend in charleston who did a podcast and or continues to do a podcast it's called are you for real by sarah frick it's great um and she I just asked her how she does her podcast and she was like, oh, God, I have a producer. I don't even know. She does it for me. And so I <laughs> I don't am, even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, which is literally I, I'm like, I don't know. I just do what Lindsay tells me to do. And then I send it to her and she fi- fixes it. <laughs> and then now you guys are giving me even more things to do, which is great because it gets better and better with the more advice I receive. So right. And special shout out to Hallie Tecco. Our dear yeah. friend for brokering our first date. And exactly. now I think we, we're rounding home plate now with you fully on the network here in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. We really did it. So I took a look at all the shows you've done. I listened to a bunch of the shows. And yes, we're very heavy Thank on you. Roe v. Wade because that's clearly yeah. the conversation. Right now. I mean, besides nuclear holocaust and the war in Russia and like this planet's never happy. Right. Right. Which also goes back to like just channeling Carlin, the whole like save the earth. The Earth is going to be fine. We'll be gone. Yeah. The Earth will be happy with this. I think it's fair to focus on Roe yeah. on this because we're taping this in late May. Yep. This show will probably air in about a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I think we're both pretty certain shit will be a whole lot worse by then. Yeah. I think we'll have a formal position from the Supreme Court at that point. And so that's why I'm talking about it right now. So what I'm trying to do, my, my podcast predominantly focuses on on women's health and women issues in women's health, which can range. You know, that doesn't have to mean reproductive health, but that's what it is right now. So what I'm doing in the series is I'm, I'm trying, again, nuanced conversation, very difficult. And I do think there are a lot of people in this country that are in the mushy middle, which is what I was saying last week. Sorry if that grosses you guys out. But mushy middle just means we we really aren't hardcore pro-choice or pro-life, but also no one's having good conversations about why and what it should, quote unquote, should look like. And so what I'm doing is a series of at least three. I may add on some more episodes. We'll see. But my first episode was just a, a, a medical medical doctor, no politics, nothing, just explaining the medical implications of if Roe v. Wade is overturned for state these like trigger states that will 
have very restrictive laws if it's overturned immediately and medical implications of that. That was a great episode. Then my second episode was with my pastor in Nashville, Scott Sauls, who actually used to live in New York and worked with Tim Keller for a long time. For those of you who know Tim Keller in New York. And he talks about kind of the religious, I mean, biblical part of it, which you can't, you know, this is one of the only medical procedures. You can't disentangle the two, I think, in, in this country as much as it would be nice to, we just can't. Um, what religious dogma as a template for right and wrong and morality? Well, just, I mean, a, a lot of, yes, people voting with their religious beliefs and, and ethics. And I mean, you call it, I wouldn't call it morality because to me, morality indicates right and wrong and a judgment. And I think what Scott and I, Scott does a great job of, at least I think, talking about things from a non-judgmental standpoint, but just, hey, he really, he and I really talked about what pro-life, I'm using air quotes, right. should look like, which is not just anti-abortion. Right. Right. Like you can't say you're pro-life and then vote against the baby formula for like for baby. You know, yeah. it's pro the entire life. Mm-hmm. So that was the second episode. And then the third is uh, a good friend of mine who uh, had just, has a really just kind of heartbreaking slash fascinating story about terminating a pregnancy and what that looked like. And the pregnancy was very wanted, but, you know, kind of the why of that. And I think it's really important for people particular. I mean, my, myself, you know, I, I am, am a Christian and I'm very confused. I'm very torn on all, all of this. It's a really difficult conversation. And so just hearing her story and, and kind of what that looks like, because I think people just, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know someone who's actually experienced a very traumatic situation like that, I mean, cancer's are, cancer's a great example, then you, you, it's very hard to identify. It's very hard to be empathetic. Right. And then there's the other side, and I hate to say other side because I agree, like 1% of the people make 99% of the noise. I know. And we just follow shiny objects because no. we just, we're just we just so sick and tired of it. We wanted to go away. Like, like, are we done with COVID? Are we done with this? Can we please? The whole church and state. And I mean, I live on this space, you know, as, as, a, as a man. I'm a father of IVF children, and we have IVF children because I was infertile from right. cancer. Yeah. And very thankfully, I'm blessed with two two children from implantation. Right. They were made in a lab, right? Is that against the natural order? Or they had to discard the embryos that didn't work. Right. Right. Are my children real in the eyes of God if you believe in God? Right. We're facing this conversation in the cancer and rare disease space. Right. For people that are like in infertility is created because of your disease. You weren't born infertile. And this whole like just adopt bullshit you know, that's yeah, our space it's now, way too. way more complicated. It's very complicated. It's very nuanced. But this is a whole other podcast. You're doing a whole bunch of these podcasts <laughs> on your show. Go listen to my podcast so, yes. about it. Yeah. Yes, go to the Dabble Co. <laughs> podcast. Actually, that, that's my question. Where did Dabble Co., D-A-B-B-L-E-C-O, yeah. Dabble Co., what is that? So when I first started, I really didn't want what I was doing to just be about me or my myself, my own brand. I wanted to, uh, for med- other medical people to be able to come into my space, whether it be Instagram or a podcast, and not feel like they're doing me and my brand a favor and lifting me up and not themselves. So dabble to me means, I was like, okay, well, we're talking about a bunch of different things. You know, I, as a nurse practitioner, it can change specialties. I don't really specialize in anything other than adult medicine, which is very broad, right? That's a huge term. So 
we were just kind of throwing around words and the word dabble came up. And then I realized there's a dating app called dabble. So I was like, okay, I can't really have just dabble. And a friend just suggested, well, your initials are CO, Claire O'Brien and dabble co like dabble and company, like dabble and friends kind of. So it's just a kind of a general term of what we're doing, which is talking about all different topics with all different experts. They don't have to be, you know, it's physicians, NPs, PAs, pharmacists, PTOT. It's very science-based, yeah. which I really find to be completely genuine and authentic. I'm trying. Yeah. Trying to be genuine and authentic. You do a lot of like listener feedback, yeah. which I think is very rare in the podcast space. Mm-hmm. Radio back in the day, they would just call in and you'd have, have screeners and see yeah. what's going on. It's hard to pick your favorite child, but is there a theme to some of the questions that do come in from your listeners? The things that are my favorite are the things that people are really nervous about and I have a simple answer for. So it's it's really, really rewarding when I put up these question boxes. I also have an Instagram. And when I put up a question box for my t- – I do these episodes called 10 Questions where I, people put questions in the box. And they can be really simple questions sometimes, but I'll, they almost come in waves. It's like a bunch of people will ask about breast cancer all of a sudden or a bunch of people will ask about – PCOS or endometriosis or something. And so I'll try to pick kind of the themes. And so it's, it's super rewarding when someone asks me what I find to be a simple question or an easier answer and so, or somewhere I can direct them of, well, hey, here's an article you can go read or follow this person. They're the, they're the authority on whatever it is. And then they send me a message just saying, thank you so much. Ketamine is a great example. So I had an episode about ketamine that is so so ketamine is kind of a newer thing in mental health particularly PTSD and refractory depression and the feedback that i've gotten from people that tried ketamine for their, their themselves their spouse their loved one whatever based off of listening to the podcast and then subsequent questions that came in my 10 questions episodes literally has been this saved my xyz loved one's life this is this has changed our lives and what whoa i mean that's v- profound to me that's something that i never really expected not like oh my gosh thanks for telling me i don't have to buy organic raspberries not that that's not important <laughs> it is you know i mean clean homemade homegrown all natural raspberry raspberries jam. yes <laughs> so that's that's my those are my favorite yeah all right i want to go a little little personal professional which yeah. is that it's hard mm-hmm. being a nurse and a nurse practitioner and a doctor and anyone working in healthcare yeah. as a professional or a first line worker. Yeah. How do you turn off the day and become you and a mom and a wife when yeah. you get home? So in the beginning of my career, I couldn't. And I had tremendous amount of anxiety in my nurse practitioner career. Uh, it just comes and goes in waves. So I would say as a nurse, yeah, there's times when you come home, you're honestly, you're so exhausted. I was a floor nurse, which is very, very physical labor. I mean, very physical. I was working at the veterans hospital. So very physical. And I think I was so exhausted, I could turn it off. And I was young. And then in my NP career, there was a period of time I couldn't turn it off. And I, I mean, truly, therapy and medication was what I had to do to, to start to turn it off. And But also I find then there's kind of another side of that with cancer care specifically. So I've worked in cancer for the bulk of my career so far. And now I took taken a hard left. I'm in aesthetics. So I'm like I did my time in cancer and then I couldn't 
serve those patients like I needed to anymore. But the one time I didn't turn it off uh, when my patient died, it I was a train wreck. And I think, and I don't want to speak for other providers, but for me, there is a wall that you have to put up. There is a bit of dissociation. Otherwise, I think you can't do your job. If you're constantly thinking about, and this might be hard for people to even understand, because obviously on one hand, you are thinking about if my patient's going to live or die, you know, am I going to save their life? But you have to see almost past that. You, you can't, you have to dissociate a little bit, I feel like, or you're stuck. And so, yeah, I had, I had a patient who was my same age. We had kids the same age. And she had, and I've talked about this, you know, publicly before, but she had a, an HPV-related tongue cancer, essentially, and went through multiple, you know, surgeries, chemo, everything was fine. She was in remission, and then it came back with a vengeance, and she died. But in the meantime, we had become friends. She had my cell phone number. We talked on Facebook at the time. And when she died, I was devastated. I couldn't work. I mean, I, for a couple of days, like, I, I was just so distraught. And so I think you really do have to dissociate a little bit. Otherwise, I mean, how could you care for people all day, every day, you know, knowing there's this possibility and getting involved in, in their lives? And so that may sound, I don't know if that sounds harsh or like, how can you put your, you know, how can you it dis- sounds dissociate? Human. Yeah. It sounds human. Okay, good. No, yeah. It, it's uh, proverbially and probably authentically God's work yeah. to do what you do and everyone in your position. My my thought on nursing super quick is that of all the people who tried to help mm-hmm. medically when I was really, really sick, only two people really stood out amongst this crazy nurses. care team. It was the one nurse because mm-hmm. she was a pediatric oncology nurse because I was in pediatrics at 21 years old. Yeah. And my neurosurgeon. Yeah. Just the two of them had empathy, understood who I was as a 21-year-old kid with brain cancer and no one else. Yeah. So, but I genuinely appreciate that you don't have to have empathy as a doctor if you want to just be a mechanic and cure me. Yeah. But nursing in and of itself is living empathy in the workforce. Well, it's a really hard balance, right? You want to have empathy, but if you have too much or let it control your decisions, you might make decisions out of emotion versus making decisions out of what's best for this patient's care. And I think too, my, my surgery, which was I don't know, three, four years ago, three years ago, that made me view every single patient completely differently. I mean, and I, so I think, you know, so many of us haven't been through even the experiences of those people that we're taking care of. And it, it really changed my perspective on just how you explain things to people, how we talk to people about surgery. It was really fascinating to me to, to be on the truly the other side, of what I was doing at the time. So, yeah. Okay, final question. Yeah. Do you have a top three wish list of who you'd like to have on your show in the future? Oh, my gosh. This is so hard. Z. Zubin. I know you're Zubin. Listening, I know Zubin. I'm obsessed. So I lo- here's why I love Zubin, because he is the mushy middle. And I know his little catchphrase or whatever is alt, alt middle, which I'm, I wish he would stop saying that so much. But that's we can have that conversation if he ever comes on my podcast. <laughs> but I think he does a great job, truly. And he did this all through COVID as well, which was really difficult of presenting what 
I feel like is a little bit of both sides of the, the conversation. And I think he just nails it. And there aren't that many medical podcasts that are really doing that, and at least that I've found. So I think Z-Dog would be my top if I had to pick a top. Um, also love Dr. K, bless her. She's a plastic surgeon in Los Angeles. She's just fun, and I love the, the tips and pearls that she gives. And then totally unrelated, my favorite chef, like if there's one person I would fangirl over on this planet, it would be Alex Snodgrass. She is the author of two cookbooks. She's the defined dish. Has nothing to do with medicine at all, ever, but like I love her. so maybe. I love it. Well done. Thanks. I will email Zubin. Yes. <laughs> tomorrow. Z-Dog, come on. He's a great guy. Come really on great down guy. to Dabble Co. So Claire O'Brien, certified adult nurse practitioner. I deconstructed your acronyms and your <laughs> credentials. Host of the Dabble Co. podcast right here on the Offscript Health Podcast Network. Just search for Dabble Co. Yep. Wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're going to get to, I want to have you back to talk about like this esthetician clean when it really means something. <laughs> Okay. Like, try to not get cancer with their cosmetics kind of thing. Okay. We'll do um, a whole show on it. Co-founder of the Skin Click. Yep. I love it. And what is your Instagram handle? At Dabbleco. At Dabbleco. Yeah. There you go. D-A-B-B-L-E-C-O. An absolute pleasure to meet you in person, have you on the network, join the family. Yeah. Thanks for having me. you're doing badass, awesome stuff. Thank you. All right, everybody. See you next time. That's all for now. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>